The Holy Gospel for this day is a parable from Matthew chapter 20. Jesus said to the disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? This is the gospel of the Lord. Thank Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On the front cover of the bulletin today, you will see a whole lot of questions. These are taken straight out of the two of the readings that we just heard, some from the book of Jonah and others from the Gospel of Matthew. That might be one thing you guys in Sunday school can do is count how many different questions are on the front cover of the bulletin. It turns out that these two stories, the story of Jonah and the story of the workers in the vineyard, have a lot in common. For one thing, as you can see, they both involve a lot of questions back and forth. Jonah has a lot of questions for God, and God has a few back. Jonah wants to know, why are you so gracious to my enemies, God? Isn't that the whole reason I told you I didn't want to go preach to them in the first place? And God responds, Well, don't I have the right to care about people who happen to be not you, Jonah? All those enemies of yours and their animals, should I not be concerned about them too? Hundreds of years later, Jesus tells a parable which features an equal number of questions about fairness and equity and doing what is right. Wait a minute, say the people who worked all day. How come we're getting paid the same as these guys who worked just an hour? And the landowner has some questions for them in response. Well, am I not honoring the bargain we made in the first place? Am I not allowed to do as I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? It so happens that both of these parables, the parable of Jonah and the parable of the, of the workers in the vineyard, end with questions, a question hanging off in the air. 
But having questions is not the only thing these two stories have in common. Both of these parables are also very much about anger. I wonder how it is that you first experienced or learned about anger. There are a lot of answers to that. I'm sure some of us in this room grew up in families where anger was openly a part of everyday life. And that can be healthy, but it can also quickly turn toxic and even dangerous. Some of us probably grew up in families where people yelled or slammed doors or used hurtful words or could maybe even have been abusive. On the other hand, some of us grew up in families where anger was hidden away behind closed doors, where it was considered impolite or unladylike or just scary and bad. And so it was not acknowledged out loud, which doesn't mean it wasn't there. Many of us have picked up somewhere along the way that anger, that being angry is not faithful, it's not Christian, that God doesn't approve of it, and neither does the church. But these two parables today force us to ask some questions about anger. Jonah is angry. Now, oddly enough, Jonah is angry because he is the most successful prophet in the history of the Old Testament. He has preached to his enemies. His enemies have changed their ways. They have transformed completely. And that is not what Jonah wanted. What Jonah wanted was to preach to them, walk away, and then watch them be annihilated off the face of the earth. He has been looking forward to this, their destruction, their humiliation. And if we cannot admit that we have all felt like that about someone at some point in our lives, we should probably do that confession and forgiveness thing over again this morning. Jonah is angry. And he is angry because God has been God. Because God has done exactly what God does. Been gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And that's all fine when God is acting that way toward Jonah. But when God acts that way toward Jonah's enemies, then it is the worst. Jonah spits out those beautiful words about God as if they are profanity. I knew that you were slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. <laughs> Just, ugh. So Jonah walks away from this transformed city of Nineveh, and he sits outside its walls, still hoping that maybe if he's real lucky, God will smite them. And then God asks Jonah a question. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? The most accurate translation of, of God's question is actually this. Jonah, is it good that it burns to you? Does that anger taste good in your mouth, Jonah? Are you enjoying that self-righteousness? Is it healthy for you to be angry, Jonah? Of all the questions that these, these two par this parable asks, that, that's the one that haunts me the most, the one that keeps me up at night the one that is as hard for me to answer as it seems to have been for Jonah. Is it good for us to be angry? Maybe the better question is, when is it good for us to be angry? Because 
Anger is something we all experience at every point in our lives. Kids can get angry too. Can you guys think of a time that you have ever been angry? Mm-hmm, yes. Parents can get angry too sometimes, right? Yeah. And yet, although it is a very ordinary and everyday human emotion, it's not one we spend very much time talking about in church. There, may are, there are as many reasons to be angry as there are people in this room. Some of us can feel anger when we experience a personal loss. Anger is an or, a normal part of grief. When we experience a death or a divorce, the end of something, a job or a position that we enjoyed. We can get angry because deep down we are afraid of something, something big or scary or unmanageable, and it terrifies us so much that we burst out in anger instead. We can get angry because we're frustrated that we don't know what we're doing. And we can get angry at inequality, injustice, systems at work in the world against so many people, it feels as if it will never change. We can really get angry when we feel we are losing a privilege or something that we think we deserve. There's small anger, the kind that comes when someone cuts you off in traffic. And then there's a bigger one, anger that rises like a tide in us that feels as if it might consume us altogether. The Bible tells us that God also experiences anger. That might make us even more uncomfortable than our own anger, but it is true. Much of that comes in the words of the Old Testament, especially through the prophets, who are not shy about reminding people that God's anger at injustice is a deep part of God's desire for change. There's an Old Testament scholar, a Jewish scholar named Abraham Heschel, who writes a lot about this. And at one point in his writing, he says, God is not hostile to human beings, but is intolerant of injustice. God's anger is fierce because human cruelty is infernal. So let's go back to Jonah for a minute. Why is he angry? Is he angry at injustice? Is there some prejudice or, or oppression that he wants to change? Has he experienced a terrible loss, a deep unfairness or prejudice? No. Jonah is angry because he has realized that the privilege of God's love does not belong only to him. And it seems like that is the kind of anger that is infused in our society right now and so much of our conversations, even our politics and our decisions and our policies. Anger from those who believe that they should be in charge, that they have the right to power and privilege and do not want to let it go. Anger lashing out against one another, back and forth, back and forth, until it feels some days as if anger is all there is. As people of faith, we wonder, are there things we should get angry about? It sure seems 
that there are, the deep injustices that damage our common life, that impoverish all of us, even if we think they're not really our personal problem. When our anger can propel us into action or change, into listening to the viewpoint of another person, when we can direct that anger toward consuming the injustice instead of consuming us, then perhaps we are doing the work of God, a God who can be angry at injustice and yet always remain in love. But that's not the kind of anger Jonah has and not the kind of anger the vineyard workers have. And so they are faced with these questions. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? Maybe that last question is the one we should all carry around with us. The one that should keep us up at night. Are we sometimes envious because God is generous? Are we sometimes angry because we think something belongs only to us? Have we sometimes convinced ourselves that God's love is our privilege and ours alone? Instead, can we direct our anger in a different way? Can we use that rising tide inside of us not to hold on to God's generosity for ourselves, but to loosen our grip and let it go? That's perhaps what these parables in the end are for. Parables of a God who refuses to be indifferent to cruelty and pain and who refuses to let us be indifferent too, but also a God who will not let us stew forever in our own bitterness and fear. A God who keeps asking us questions about how we can use our frustration or anger toward justice and peace. And a God who comes to us again and again reminding us that we are not alone when we do that work. A God who is never satisfied with easy answers, but continues to challenge us, question us, reform us, and change us. A God who knows what it is to be angry at injustice, but who is never cruel or abusive or dismissive. A God who, above all, is most fierce, not in wrath, but in compassion and love and hope. I suppose we should end this sermon with a question. It seems to be the theme of the day, but I'm going to end it with a blessing instead. It's called A Blessing in the Anger. It was written by a Methodist pastor, Jan Richardson, who wrote this after the sudden death of her husband and the grief that she experienced and the anger that she sometimes experienced in the midst of that. Here is a piece of the blessing for us to take with us as we go, as we listen, as we try again and again. Let anger be no stranger. Let it be visitor, teacher, and guide. Let it be messenger, come to tell us what we most need to know, hard though its words may be to hear. 
Trust that the other face of anger is courage, that it holds the key to your secret strength, that the fire it offers will light your way. Amen.